startups are a lot like children. It's why you often hear founders referring to their startups as their babies. You have to nurture them and set them up for success. And when they get old enough, a founder will stop parenting, or in the case of a business, handling day-to-day -day operations and send their child or their startup off into the world. Now, with humans, you've got a couple of stages. Newborns, infants, toddlers, children, teens, adults, and then seniors. And in this video, we're gonna be covering the first three coming up right after this. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. A venture with no capital, no revenue, no MVP or prototype is the startup equivalent of a newborn. It can't walk yet, it can't talk, and in the world of business, we wouldn't even call this a company yet. It's just an idea. In fact, this stage is actually called the ideation stage. It's where the founder or founders just have this idea in their minds, but they haven't actually started to build or plan anything yet. There's no runs on the board. All they have is an idea, a hypothetical product or service that they wanna build or a market that they wanna target, and virtually every single company starts here. At one point, Apple was just an idea in Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak's minds, right? But let's be honest here, who hasn't found themselves in a late night conversation with a friend, maybe over a couple of drinks, dreaming about starting a company? I mean, this is literally what happened to J.D. Barman and Galo Banerjee who got drunk one night and decided to create a company named after the country Burkina Faso. So the ideation stage is easy. It doesn't really mean all that much because ideas are a dime a dozen. But the planning stage, waking up the next day and actually sitting down and mapping out what it's gonna take to bring that dream to life Life, well, that's what actually gives the ideation stage meaning and value, but it's also where a lot of would-be startups die. At this stage, many aspiring entrepreneurs remember their responsibilities, their dependents, their jobs, their parents. They start to realize how much money it's gonna cost, how much time and energy it's gonna take, and a lot of them just give up before they've even started. But that's what makes the planning stage so exciting. For the would-be founders who don't back down, this stage is one of the most important in their journey. In the planning stage, a founder or founders will decide on what their mission is gonna be, they'll settle on an initial strategy, a potential revenue model, they'll start thinking about company names and values that they want to instill in their startup's culture, and they'll map out a few of the milestones that they wanna hit in the next couple of years. The planning stage is where the newborn baby of a startup becomes an infant, and it begins to crawl ever so slowly towards some very exciting goals. But to actually get up and take those first wobbly steps as a toddler, well, that's where the real challenge begins. The commitment stage is where talk turns into action, where some of the plans created during the planning stage begin to be executed. It's the point in the startup's journey where the venture is actually registered as a company, where the founders sign a legally binding shareholder agreement, and of course, the most important thing here, the building of an MVP begins. Now, MVP is an acronym for Minimum Viable Product, and basically, this is a product or service with enough features to attract early adopter customers, and from these customers, the founders of the startup can learn what people like and don't like about the MVP so that they can improve it going forward. Now, another function of an MVP is to convince prospective investors to pour money into the startup, to pour capital into the startup. And this isn't really something that we've talked about up until this point, but capital is foundational to business. So let's talk about it now. So we've gone over the ideation stage of a startup, which I compared to a newborn, the planning stage, which was a crawling infant, and now the commitment stage, which is a walking toddler. And for a bootstrap startup, a startup that isn't raising external capital, that's it. That's all we call these phases of the startup's life. But for a startup that's planning to raise external capital, 
from investors, these development stages are happening at the same time as a larger funding stage, the pre-seed stage. During this pre-seed stage, money is gonna be tight. Initially, the venture will probably be self-funded. The founder or founders are gonna be building the startup during their spare time. They might be moonlighting, which means that they have a regular job during the day, and then they build their startup at night. And so they could be taking money from their salary and using it to fund their startup. This is what Dipinder Goyal and Pankaj Chada did while building Zomato. They were working at Bain & Company, but during their breaks, after working on weekends, they would build their startup. Another approach that some founders take is quitting their jobs altogether and using their personal savings to build their startup full-time. One example of this is Abhay Hanjura, co-founder of Licious. After working at insurance broking from Future Risk for more than five years, he was being offered a position as the company's CEO. But instead, he and his co-founder Vivek Gupta chose to quit their jobs and start a D2C meat brand called Licious. And for the first few months during that pre-seed stage, they ran the company using their own personal savings. Now, the final form of self-funding is the most dangerous and ill-advised, but it is something that happens from time to time with different startups, so I thought that I would mention it here, personal debt funding. Basically using a personal credit card or a line of credit to build a pre-seed startup. And this is actually what the co-founders of Airbnb did. Before they caught a lucky break selling breakfast cereal during the 2008 presidential election, they owed tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt, which they had used to build the company in the early days. Financial investment of any kind by the startup's founders falls into the category of pre-seed funding. And when multiple co-founders sign a shareholder agreement later on, ownership of the company will oftentimes be heavily influenced by that pre-seed investment by the company's founders. A founder who invests less money will end up with less equity or ownership, basically a smaller stake in the company. And a founder who invests more money will end up with more ownership. But founders aren't the only ones who invest at a pre-seed level. See, the normal types of investors that we typically reference when we're talking about startups are angel investors and venture capital firms, or VCs. But at a pre-seed level, these two types of investors will often choose not to invest until the startup has finished creating their MVP. And this is where we find ourselves in a bit of a catch-22. See, building an MVP, of course, requires capital, but angels and VCs don't want to invest capital until the MVP is built. And this is where family and friends come in. In fact, there's a name for this kind of funding round, a triple F round, family, friends, and fools. Now, these family and friends will sometimes offer capital as a gift, just giving you money with no strings attached, but sometimes it's a loan. They might want you to pay the money back later on, maybe even with a bit of interest, but things get a little bit more complicated when family and friends wanna come in as stakeholders because calculating how much stake to give them for their investment at such an early stage is a really difficult thing to do. The normal metrics that investors use to calculate a young company's valuation just don't apply here because there's no working MVP yet, there's no revenue, there's no customers. And so assessing how much the startup is worth becomes more sentimental. In such a situation, the founders themselves will usually negotiate with family and friends to ensure that they get enough money to actually finance their operations and the building of their MVP, but not so much money that they have to severely dilute their ownership in the company. Now, I should note here that there are actually two alternatives to selling equity directly to a family member or a friend at an agreed upon valuation, and those are convertible equity and convertible debt notes. These allow family and friends to purchase shares in the company, but how much of the company they own isn't decided until later on when other investors like angels and VCs invest too. And this allows startup founders to arrive at a valuation for their company later on once they actually have some revenue to use for that calculation. Now, what I've described here specifically is convertible equity and convertible debt notes add another 
another element to this, which is that if a future funding round doesn't happen and the debt notes aren't converted into shares at that time, then the loan amount plus interest needs to be paid back in cash. But either way, this is usually the preferred investment vehicle for a triple F round. Now, another type of investor who may choose to participate in a pre-seed round, and we did mention them earlier, are angel investors. Now, whether or not an angel is gonna feel comfortable to invest in a startup that's in the ideation, planning, or commitment stages is really gonna depend on their own experience as an angel investor, and also their confidence in the founder and their mission. Now, in India, according to Sebi, you actually need to qualify as an angel investor before you can invest as an angel investor. And according to the frequently asked questions section of Sebi's alternative investment funds regulations of 2012, an angel investor is an individual investor who has net tangible assets of at least two crore rupees and who has early stage investment experience or has experience as a serial entrepreneur or is a senior management professional with at least 10 years of experience. Now, on top of that, they'll also need to invest 25 lakh rupees within a three-year period. And these rules made by SEBI are designed to protect everyday people from the high level of risk associated with investing in early stage startups. That's why the name of the triple F round references fools. Investing money into a pre-seed startup is similar to visiting a casino. There's a very slim chance that you'll leave with more money than you came in with, but chances are you're gonna lose most of it, if not all of it. And angel investors know this, which is why they'll typically only invest in pre-seed startups if that startup checks most of their boxes. So what are these boxes? Well, let's quickly go through them and see what angel investors actually wanna see before they invest in a pre-seed startup. Firstly, many angel investors actually will choose not to invest in a single founder startup. Having two or more founders means that if one founder has a bad idea, the other founders have the power to correct them. But this doesn't happen, obviously, with a single founder startup like, for example, Theranos. Secondly, for better or for worse, professional experience and life experience actually matter here. If the founder or founders have attended a prestigious university or they've worked as executives or consultants, if they have leadership experience or product experience, and especially if they have entrepreneurial experience, then angels are definitely gonna be more likely to invest than if the founder or founders are fresh out of high school or a regular college or a lesser known university. Take for example, Zepto. Adit Palicha and Kaivalyavor were just 19 when they started Zepto, but they'd already been accepted into Stanford and they had startup experience building GoPool and Kiranakart before Zepto. Thirdly, an angel investor will oftentimes just invest based on the feeling that they get from the founder or founders themselves. Unimpressive founders who don't have obvious charisma, passion, or intellect are far less likely to convince an angel to invest than founders who inspire confidence and are able to get the angel excited about the startup. And then fourthly, of course, we have the business itself, the product or service, and the market that it's gonna be trying to capture. And even if the startup's founders check all three of the previous boxes, an angel investor just isn't going Going to invest if they don't believe in the viability of the startup, if they don't see an opportunity in the market for the startup to thrive. A good example of this is Mishra Motors. So they were actually already at the seed stage, they even had a prototype, and they were ready to unveil this prototype, this electric motorcycle, which they thought of as the Tesla of motorcycles at the New Delhi Auto Show in 2014. But because they were so early to this market, which even today in 2022, eight years later, is still at a very nascent stage where there are still very few Indian electric motorcycles being sold, especially compared to electric scooters, the prospective investors that Mishra Motors talked to just weren't
weren't convinced that there was a market for an Indian electric motorcycle in 2014, and they were right. It wasn't until 2019 that electric motorcycles like the Revolt RV300 and 400 became popular amongst Indian EV enthusiasts. Now, the final type of investor for a pre-seed round actually isn't an individual like all of the other categories that we've talked about so far, but rather a crowd. Now, the popular term here, of course, is crowdfunding. You've got platforms like, for example, Kickstarter, which is geared mainly towards product startups, and they take a tiered pre-order and donation approach, and then they use those funds to build their product, but that's not really what we're talking about here. Instead, what we're talking about here is crowd investing, where there's actually a tangible ROI for these investors in the form of a fixed return, if we're talking about debt crowd investing, and platforms like Grip offer this, or there's ownership in the company if we're talking about equity crowd investing. So there you have it guys, from ideation to planning to commitment, and then also of course pre-seed funding. Now we did cover a lot of ground today, so if you're confused about anything, you have any doubts, just leave a comment down below. We'll do our best to respond to you and answer your question as best we can. And also, if you wanna see a part two to this video where I cover the seed stage, early stage, and growth stage of startups, then just leave a comment down below and let us know that you wanna see a part two. And of course, also sharing this video would really help and liking it as well. Basically anything that you can do to make this video succeed so that we see that it's worthwhile to pursue a part two. We really wanna add value here, making videos that actually educate people, not just about individual startups and companies in India, but also concepts and ideas, basically explaining the ins and outs of how things work in the startup world. All right, I will see you guys in the next one.